हेलो एंड वेलकम टू एपिसोड टेन ऑफ द थ्री एम फी पॉडकास्ट दिस इज आर थर्ड एंड फाइनल केस इन द एक्समैन सीरीज द एक्समैन ऑफ न्यू ऑर्लींस इट्स वन ऑफ द स्ट्रेंजेस्ट केसेज इन हिस्ट्री द एक्समैन हुज चॉइस ऑफ वेपन वॉज एन एक्स मेनली टारगेटेड इटालियन इमिग्रेंट्स एंड इटालियन अमेरिकन्स द विक्टम्स वे मोस्टली ग्रोसर्स बाई प्रोफेशन The dreaded and mysterious axman of New Orleans and his violent agenda disappeared in the autumn of 1919 as suddenly and hastily as they arrived. Here's how it happened. Hello and welcome to the 3 AM Fear podcast. I'm Nikita Ferrao, mystery and thriller author. On this podcast, I talk about real crimes and real people. Due to the graphic nature of some of this content, listener discretion is advised. You can find the episode show notes on my website 3amfear.com. Let's get started. It all started back in May 1918. For a period of 18 months, the city of New Orleans and its surrounding cities were haunted by the Axeman, who was a manifestation of the Boogeyman. This haunting series went on till October 1919. A series of 12 attacks and 6 murders took place during this period, all of which happened during the night. It is said that the Axeman only killed people while they were sound asleep in the comforts of their homes. The axman never used his own tools but rather used what his victims had. Once he had committed the murders, he would leave the weapon behind, but not before thoroughly cleaning it. The crimes were never motivated by robbery and nothing was missing from any of the victims' homes. The majority of the axman's victims were Italian immigrants or Italian Americans, leading many to believe that the crimes were ethnically motivated. Some also believed that his killings were somewhat related to sex. One where he was perhaps a sadist who enjoyed killing women and that he only killed men when they tried to interrupt his killing spree. The axman was never caught or identified and his crime spree stopped just as mysteriously as it had started. On May 23, 1918 at 4901 Magnolia Street The first suspected axman attack took place. The victims, Catherine Maggio and Joseph Maggio, were attacked with a straight razor slicing their throats. Catherine had been almost entirely decapitated. Their bodies were discovered by Joseph's brothers, Jake and Andrew, who lived in the same house. Even with this, no one had heard anything, and the most surprising of all was that no valuables were taken from the crime scene. In the apartment, law enforcement agents found bloody clothes of the murderer as he may have changed into a clean set of clothes before running away. A complete search of the premises were conducted and the bodies were removed. The bottom panel of the kitchen door was knocked out and all that was found at the crime scene was an axe, an axe that belonged to the family. Fingerprinting was around at that time, but it was still new and not properly used. So even if they did or could find any fingerprints it was of no use for them. 
The razor that was used to kill the victims belonged to Andrew Maggio, the brother who conducted a barber shop on Camp Street. His employee Esteban told the police that Maggio had removed the razor from his shop 2 days prior to the murder. Andrew lived in the adjoining apartment to his brother's residence and had discovered the bodies roughly 2 hours after the attacks. He also said that he could hear strange noises through the walls. Andrew blamed himself for being irresponsible as he was too intoxicated to help his brother and his wife. Andrew Maggio became their prime suspect in the crime but was released later due to lack of evidence. A little over a month later on June 28, 1918, the second axe murder took place. Louis Bessemer and his mistress Harriet Lowe were killed. They were killed in a similar style in their beds during the early morning hours. Their bodies were discovered in the morning by a baker who was doing his morning delivery. Shocked and equally scared at what he had just witnessed, he immediately called the cops. In their home too, the bottom panel of the bedroom door was missing and their axe was used as the murder weapon. By now talks about a murderer was on loose and everyone was scared. The poor baker was suspected of the murders even though it was he who called the cops in the first place. It's scary. I mean, he reported the crime and he was the prime suspect for them. Louis was said to have been struck with a hatchet above his right temple which resulted in a skull fracture. Even with this, he was lucky enough to survive the attack. His wife Harriet on the other hand was hacked over the left ear. Although she initially survived, she would soon succumb to her injuries and die 7 weeks after the attack. She gave her testimony to the cops telling them that she saw a mulatto man with a hatchet attacking them. A mulatto if you don't know is a person of mixed white and black ancestry especially a person with one white and one black parent After the statement was given a 41 year old African American man named Louis who worked in Bessemer's grocery was arrested after he gave conflicting accounts to the police about his whereabouts Although arrested the police could not keep him in custody for long as they had no much evidence against him Now something shocking happened here was that just before she died Harriet said that Louis Bessemer was the man who tried to kill her Now the police had already suspected Bessemer for a murder and not because of the axeman They had found letters in Russian German and Yiddish and when asked Harriet confirmed that Bessemer was a German spy for Kaiser William II However the police were wrong about Bessemer's role in the espionage and the jury found Bessemer not guilty of assault on Harriet Lowe following a 10 minute deliberation and a 9 month arrest a month later on august 5 1918 in an undisclosed home location anna schneider was found by her husband in the afternoon at their home her head was bashed in multiple times and her scalp was cut open with what the police believed was a lamp She was immediately rushed to the hospital and survived the attack. After searching her home, the cops found that her axe was missing. A week after the attack, Anna gave birth to a healthy baby, and both mother and child were safe and fine. Anna later testified saying that she woke up that night to find a dark figure standing over her bed. Upon investigation, 
authorities discovered none of the windows or doors had been forced open they arrested an ex convict named james gleason who ran from the authorities there was no evidence connecting him to the crime so he was later on released 5 days later on august 10 1918 reportedly near tonti and gravia street 80 year old joseph romano was found by his nieces pauline and mary after they heard him struggling by the time they came to his rescue he was dead his head was bashed in luckily they survived but they were able to describe the attacker they said that the attacker looked tall dark and heavy set he was wearing a dark suit and a slouched hat in august 1918 the new orleans newspaper allegedly recounted quote armed men are keeping watch over their sleeping families while the police are seeing to solve the mysteries of the axe attacks extra police are put to work daily end quote 7 months later on 10 march 1919 the cotomiglia family was attacked rose cotomiglia and her husband charles cotomiglia were attacked in their sleep rose woke up to find charles fighting the axe man a battle that he would soon lose rose and their 2 year old daughter mary were attacked next both mother and daughter survived but unfortunately charles did not in a similar fashion the family axe was used for the attack 5 days later a new orleans newspaper called the times picayune got a letter from the axe man the letter read quote hell March 13, 1919. Esteemed mortal, they have never caught me and they never will. They have never seen me for I am invisible even as ether which surrounds your earth. I am not a human being but a spirit and a fell demon from hottest hell. I am what you Orleanians and your foolish police call the Axeman. End quote. The axeman then goes on to insult and threaten the cops. Quote, "They have been so utterly stupid as to amuse not only me but his satanic majesty. But tell them to beware. Let them not try to discover what I am, for it were better that they never were born than for them to incur the wrath of the axeman." End quote. He then goes on to remind the people that he could be worse. quote Undoubtedly you Orleanians think of me as a most horrible murderer which I am but I could be much worse if I want to At will I could slay thousands of your best citizens for I am in close relationship with the angel of death end quote However the most important clause is a specific threat that would terrify the entire New Orleans community quote Now to be exact at 12:15 o'clock earthly time on next Tuesday night I am going to pass over New Orleans in my infinite mercy I am going to make a little proposition to the people here it is I am very fond of jazz music and I swear by all the devils in the nether region that every person shall be spared in whose a jazz band is in full swing at the time i have just mentioned 
if anyone has a jazz band going well then so much the better for the people one thing is certain and that is some of those persons who do not jazz it on tuesday night if there be any will get the axe end quote this letter would later spark the creation of a jazz song entitled quote don't scare me papa end quote this song is also known as the mysterious axman's jazz the tuesday night mentioned in the letter was march 19 1919 it is said that the city was truly alive that night the bars were full those at home blasted jazz music throughout the night and those who did not have the facility or were afraid to be home alone were at the bars and clubs where the music played it is worth mentioning that the axman kept his word and not a single person was killed that night these are my words and i kind of feel like the axman was pranking those guys he either wanted to just instill this fear keep this fear or he was planning to be out of town you know maybe he was not going to be there maybe this person was going to be traveling or would not be there for some time and thought that you know people should not just calm down that fear should be there he wanted to see that fear he wanted to let that fear live so the best thing he thought was okay i'm going to scare them i'm going to tell them that if they do what i say then i'm not going to kill anyone because maybe he was not there in town at at all maybe he was not there in town at all my words can't say but i think that maybe he was just messing around with the people because here's what happened next on august 10 1919 steve bocca was badly injured in his home after he woke up to a man next to him holding an axe steve managed to fight off his attacker and dragged himself to his friend's home nearby after which he called the cops it was said that the blows to his head were so severe that he did not regain much of his memory of the attack well the axman did kind of keep his word but at the same time he was back in early september on 2128 second street 19 year old sarah lawman was reportedly attacked by someone who entered her home through an open window with a blunt object a bloody axe was discovered on the front lawn of the building Sarah too managed to fight her attacker and regain consciousness but unfortunately she too could not recall much of the attack About 2 months later on October 27 1919 at the corner of South Scott and Ulloa Street Esther and Mike Pepitone were attacked Esther reportedly awoke around 1 a.m. to her husband screaming and ran to the bedroom Her husband's head was struck 18 times and died 2 hours later Esther reportedly said that she saw two figures in the bedroom but she could not identify them as they fled the scene. One of the apparent weapons used during the attack was a bolt with a heavy nut, something used to secure a circus tent. At the time of the attack, there was a circus on the nearby two-lane avenue that weekend. Even with all of this, nothing was confirmed. This brings us to the end of the Axman's killing spree. Now let's get to the theories. The first and most popular theory is that maybe the axman was not just one person. Some say that the final killings of the axman, Esther and Mike Pepitone, 
were not the ones of the original axeman but that of a mafia killing this is probably due to pepitone's father killing a man in the past now with regards to all the murders most mentioned here and some not a running online theory is that some or most of the killings were not even of the original axeman but that of a copycat killer maybe a few of the killings were done by the axeman and the rest of them by a copycat killer now this is a completely out of the box theory some believe that the axeman might be a supernatural figure that could slip through tiny entrance ways and become the large man that witnesses described as the killer to be it's just a theory people believe that maybe because no one saw this person come in or go out and of course all the doors all the windows everything was closed and locked so how did this person get in so this is one of the theories that maybe maybe the axeman was a supernatural figure who could just come in and go without being checked or without being found if you have heard my axe murders of veliska episode then you would know that those killings and these killings are almost similar there is a lot of similarity between both both of them the murderer could not be found there was no way that a person could just get in and get out of a house without being seen and yet it was done If you haven't checked out then please do check out Dax Murders of Veliska it's a completely different story it's a completely different killer completely different time but it's equally fascinating so please do check it out The last theory is actually a legitimate suspect a man named Joseph Mumphrey Now to talk about Mumphrey let's return to the last murder Esther and Mike Pepitone Esther survived the attack but her husband did not. Esther later moved to Los Angeles and remarried a man named Angelo Albano. However, on the second anniversary of her former husband's death, her second husband disappeared and was never found again. Esther recalled that before their marriage, Angelo had ended business relations with a man who went by many names, one of which was Joseph Mumphrey. On December 5, 1921, Mumphrey visited Esther's home at 5554 East 36th Street in Los Angeles. He demanded $500 and Esther's jewelry. He even threatened saying, "Quote, kill her the same way he had killed her husband." End quote. Now why did I mention this is because given the fact that Esther was present when the axeman attacked her husband, and when Esther was arrested for shooting Joseph Mumphrey she said that Mumphrey was the axeman she said she had seen him run from her bedroom the LAPD noted that there was evidence linking Mumphrey to the death of Mike Pepitone and Esther was acquitted for Mumphrey's death here are some other things that seem to suggest Joseph Mumphrey might be the axeman upon investigation the police found that Mumphrey led a blackmailing gang in New Orleans that preyed on italians and the most surprising fact was all of the axeman's victims were italians mumphrey was in and out of prison for the past 10 years and whenever he was out the axeman would strike this was too much of a coincidence for the cops even with this there was not enough evidence to link mumphrey to the axeman attacks he was set free Another popular theory is that the axeman may have had a partner. 
I mean it's possible because Esther Pepitone said that she saw two men that night. And later on she said that the attacker was Mumfrey. So either Esther is lying or the axman is multiple people. What do you guys think? I personally believe that the axe murders could have been committed by a series of copycat killers because it just does not link up or at least the last one with Esther it does not link up. Although the way of attack is somewhat similar her story is different we have to agree on that. No other victim mentioned more than one attacker and Esther got out without being killed and was not even that badly hurt. Something's not right here. In the end there aren't many leads on identifying the notorious New Orleans axeman. Was this the work of a series of copycats or was this the result of one troubled individual? For now the case remains unsolved. Thank you so much for being with me throughout the axe murder series and I would love to know what do you guys think who do you guys think was the real axe murderer of New Orleans? Do you think that it was a series of copycats or a series of killers? or do you think that it was just one crazy person who was doing all of this as we know the axe murders of new orleans did not go on for a very long time it was just a span of few months so who could it have been did the fellow get tired did the person move or it was just one person who was testing out his luck and saw that and decided okay i'm done playing my luck and i just think i'm going to be safe for now what do you guys think i would really like to know so please tell me in the comments what do you guys think if you haven't checked out the axe murders of villesca then please do it's quite similar and it's very interesting it's a completely different story somewhat similar but very interesting so please do check it out see you next week and stay safe out there that's it for the day thank you so much for being here Don't forget to follow me on social media especially Instagram. The links are in my description box. You can also find the episode show notes on my website 3amfear.com. If you love reading thrillers, you can now check out my free ebook available on my website. Once again, thank you so much for being here today and see you next week. Have a great week and stay safe out there.